right. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those uh, that are on Facebook Live and online. I want to welcome you guys to week three of our series entitled Jesus Is. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us, man? So excited to have you guys with us. I want to just say a couple things. Matter of fact, four things uh, right before I get into the message. Number one, uh, as our campus pastors, Pastor Doug at Little Creek and all the campus pastors, uh, as we had a moment of prayer, I, I just want to say uh, what an appropriate time to have uh, prayer for, as a church. You know, this last couple of weeks, we've been in a season of prayer. Uh, many have uh, been fasting as well. And I, and I, I do want to say uh, myself, my family, my wife, all of our lead team, by the way, we were at the church <clears throat> till nine o'clock on Friday, uh, praying, crying out to God, believing, planning, strategizing. And I, I do want to say uh, to all of you that are here at any of our campuses, uh, man, we're praying for you guys. We are all in this together and God is with us. Everybody say, God is with us. And God's going to see us through this. That's number one. Number two, I need everybody to dial in very carefully what I'm about to say. This is a very fluid situation uh, for us, not just as a church, uh, for our community, state, really our nation and the world. And so with that, uh, we're getting information uh, sometimes before you guys, sometimes after we're connected to political leaders that we're trying as a faith leader uh, because of our relationships, trying to, to appropriately gather information, which brings up number three, communication. Everyone say communication. It is critical that we are all on the same page. It is critical. For example, Thursday, we put out an email. Uh, I did a, a video uh, email. Friday, we, uh, we hear from the governor, and the governor had made some stipulations, according to the CDC, about 250 people, which we've complied with. Uh, absolutely. We're gonna, actually, we're below that uh, in this particular room and in all the rooms. And so, so, so we get that information. So now we have to make a decision quickly of how to adjust that. We have to put out another email. So I want to say, how will we be connected? How do we connect uh, during this time. It's important all the time as a church, but specifically right now. I want to talk about Church of the King just for a moment. Number one, I think we have 25,000, maybe 30,000 emails, uh, the email addresses that people are connected to the church uh, at some way. So number one, I'm asking everybody, please consistently look at your emails. Please consistently uh, look at your emails because we're going to email you guys uh, as necessary to give you information about all the different things that, uh, that, that we have available or don't have available, et cetera, et cetera. Number two, churchofthekingcom our website. Very important thing. We will post whatever is going on social media. We will repost that uh, as well on the website. Pastor Doug here at Little Creek, and I know the other uh, campus pastors, whether in Metairie, Gulf Coast, all the different campuses, uh, they spoke about this morning downloading the Church of the King app. Matter of fact, you can even do that right now. It's so simple. Why is that important? Because all of our updates and announcements immediately come through that. And so that's so critical. Also, this is Church of the King, so it's emails, website, the app, also Facebook, Church of the King Facebook, and all the campuses have different Facebook pages. I think there's about 20,000 people on that as well, as well as Instagram. And I know they have Twitter too. So that's important. 
emails, website, the Church of the King app, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. On a personal level, you know, I'm 51 years old. I, I've, I've never been for a lot of different reasons, uh, just personal reasons. I, I try to stay focused. I've never been a social media person. And I've kind of made fun of it over the years. And of course, all of our younger people and staff have really tried to encourage me. Pastor, you need to like come into the 21st century. And so like, you know, you know Rome had highways and, 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 you know, social media is like highways today. You know, they give me all the, the, the biblical things. And so I was like, no, no, no. But just to be honest, this situation in crisis has necessitated me uh, getting on the page with everybody else. And so Monday, uh, they did an Instagram account and I posted my first Instagram uh, and my Facebook announcements. And so, uh, I, so I have a Facebook. Matter of fact, I have these three things. I've always had Twitter. I don't use it a lot, but it's important for me not only to update you guys, but also to encourage you guys. How many of y'all need encouragement? Come on. I know I need encouragement. So pastorally, as your pastor, uh, it's important for me to be able to encourage you. So I'm going to give you, I'm not doing this to build my profile so I can feel better about myself. I'm doing this so I can communicate to the 10,000 people that call me their pastor and in a critical time. Are y'all with me? Say yes. yes. Amen. Okay. So here, here's, here's what they've got for me. I'm not even sure what my Facebook. Account. Okay. Here it is. Pat, so I'm, I'm really attuned to this. I want y'all to know, uh, but pastor Steve J. Uh, Robinson. All right, that's Facebook. Instagram, all right, for all the younger people, I guess uh, it's Steve underscore Robinson underscore, and that's my Twitter account, which I've all, always had for, for a while. I don't post a lot on it, but I'm going to. So all of these will, I'll post for on probably every day right now or every other day. I would say it that way. Probably every other day, I'll be putting something on my personal social media that will double as well on our church's social media. Why? Because communication is king right now, okay? Let me give you the third thing. Actually, Jesus is king. Communication is important. I just thought I'd qualify that. However, let me give you the fourth and final thing, and then we'll pray and jump into the message. A lot of people have been asking us, you know, as a church, you know, what are we going to do? We're just trying to assess uh, what we can do, what legitimate needs are, and how we can even engage uh, in our community, if at all. We are in communication with the political leaders in all the different com campus uh, communities uh, where our campuses are, whether on the South Shore, North Shore, different places, Mississippi as well, uh, and so in Baton Rouge. I just want to say this. This is important, all right? As we have an understanding of how we practically can be involved, and yes, in a safe way, and I want everybody to understand this, we believe that Christians should be good citizens. Can I have a big amen? amen. So we are, we, are, we are abiding by any things that come from our government, both local, and that's why we're doing what we're doing today. And, and we bless our government. We're not hostile with, we bless, and we appreciate the relationship with our government. So we're getting information there and partnering with them. Our church, Church is the King, has always partnered with our government to help people in our communities where we have respective campuses. Point is, we'll let you know uh, as information of how we can be a blessing, okay? Let's pray. We'll jump into the word. Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for your blessing in our lives. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in this time, Lord, that we can hear your word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, help us Help us as we study your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up 
to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Today, I want to continue our series, and I do want to say this as well. I want to say a comment. Do not misquote this comment, all right? We don't, listen, we don't cancel church if we're told not to have church here. We're just having church online. Does that make sense? I want everybody to know that. So next week, if for some reason we're not able to meet physically, we're meeting every week. There's thousands and thousands of people that are with me online. Why am I saying that? We are in a series, and we're going to continue week four next week and week five next week, whether we're in physical locations or if everybody is online. We will finish all the way up to Easter. I have no idea what our Easter services will be, but I do know this. Pastor Steve will be preaching here next week, either with people in a sanctuary or by myself with thousands of people online. How many of y'all praying for Pastor Steve? Come on now. John chapter 10, Jesus is making a very important statement and he begins to define the reality, watch this, for those of you that understand Greek plays, there is always an antagonist and a protagonist. In other words, there's the, the Latin word for pro is for, all right? So a protagonist is someone that is for you. The word anti means against, right? Antithesis, against thesis. An antagonist is someone against you. A protagonist is someone for you. Jesus begins to define, watch this, his mission statement, but he also highlights our antagonist or our adversary's mission statement, and he begins to define it this way. John chapter 10, watch what Jesus says. He defines the thief. Who is the thief? A thief is a false shepherd. Specifically, he's talking about our arch rival, Satan himself. Here's what he says. The mission statement, those of you that are in the corporate world, you understand mission statements and vision statements. Here it is, the mission statement of the enemy himself. Here it is, out of the words of Jesus. The thief does not come except to what? Say it, steal and to what? Kill and to what? Well, what does the enemy want to do? The enemy wants to steal the dream that God has placed in your heart. He, he wants to, he, listen, he wants to kill God's purpose in your life. He wants to destroy you. Jesus himself said of the enemy, listen, by the way, I want you to, don't get the price tag switch. God is a good God and the devil's a bad devil. So don't, 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 don't ascribe to God what the enemy's doing and vice versa. The thief, Jesus said, it's in red. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now watch the converse here. Here's what Jesus says about himself. I have come. I have come that you may have what? Say it. Life. And it's the Greek word zoe. The, the, the Greek word zoe means it's an interesting word. There's two dimensions to this word. Eternal life. There's a quantitative dimension. When you become a believer in Jesus, quantitatively speaking, you receive Christ. You now have stepped into a dimension of eternal life. In other words, we will live with Jesus forever. But it's not just quantitative. It's also qualitative. For the believer, listen, our life of joy and peace and the power of the kingdom is independent of our environment. Why? Christ in us is the hope of glory. In other words, there's a quality of life that is not shared with the world. Why? Because Christ is living in us. So there's a qualitative dimension and there's a quantitative. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. Wow. Look at the next verse. Now he defines, watch this, his role in dispensing this and facilitating this. Again, 
Week one, Jesus is my best friend. Week two, last week, Jesus is my teacher. Week three, Jesus is what? I am the good, everyone say it, shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Yeah. I want to talk to you today about Jesus is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. It's interesting. I, I, I plan out my messages a year out. Now, they do change. They'll shift around just a little bit. I had no idea uh, when, I, when I planned this series that, 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 that it would be that important. The weekend where we had to make some radical adjustments in our church, uh, I, I think it's appropriate. How many know God knows things that we don't know? The very fact that I'm teaching this weekend on Jesus being our shepherd. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that provides for us. I want to talk to you today about Jesus is my shepherd. Now, it's interesting in the Bible that there's different analogies that God gives us to define what he is wanting to build with us. In other words, one of the words that God calls his church is he calls us a family. We're a family. God is the Father, and, and, and we are his children, and, and so we are the family of God. That's one of the metaphors that the, the writers of Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has, calls God's church. We are his family. Number two, we are also called a fellowship, a fellowship. What does it mean that we're a fellowship? It's the Greek word koinonia, and it actually means intimacy with a purpose, that we are called by God, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. God has placed us together, spiritually speaking. Paul calls it the mystical body of Christ. That we are called to walk with one another, watch this, in a purposeful direction to make a difference for Christ in the earth. Number three, he not only calls us a family, he not only calls us a fellowship, but he also calls us a body. We're a body. He is the head, and we are the body. And Paul if you read 1 Corinthians, here's what he said. He says, can the ear say to the eye that I have no need of you? Can the hand say to the foot? In other words, the eye, the ear has a different function than the eye. And the eye has a different function than the foot. How many know every single one of us are important to God? Those that are ushers and greeters and small group leaders, those that are working in the professional world, those that are teachers, whatever it is that you do, listen, God has uniquely designed you and uniquely shaped you to make a distinct difference in the earth. Corporately speaking, we are his body. Every part supplies. So we're a family, we're a fellowship, watch this, we're a body, but we're also called by God a flock, a flock. Matter of fact, I remember in high school, I had blonde hair, long blonde hair, and, uh, you know, this was in the 80s, and uh, how many of y'all remember Flock of Seagulls? Come on, anybody remember the Flock of If you don't, it's because you're not the right generation. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It's funny, I, I remember the, the word Flock, and my friends, you look like that guy for Flock of Seagulls. Je let me tell you, Jesus is not building a Flock of Seagulls. He's building, watch this, a flock of sheep. And when you have a flock of sheep, guess what you also have? You have a, come on, say it, a shepherd, a shepherd. The reality is, is that when we look to the word of God, that God calls us sheep. And we are all part of God's greater mosaic of, of, of his sheep coming together. But guess who's in charge? His name is Jesus. 
He's our shepherd. Look what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 100, verse 3. I love this. Know that the Lord, he is our God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the what? Say it, the sheep of his pasture. This week I was doing some study. This is really interesting. I was studying this week about sheep and the word shepherd. And the word shepherd, actually, the closest word that we have translated in English to shepherd is actually the word pastor. In the New Testament, the Greek word for shepherd and pastor are actually used interchangeably, and it's the Greek word poemim. And it's, it's an interesting word, and it, it, it talks about Jesus. Watch this, that Jesus is our ultimate shepherd, but God gives his church under shepherds. I'm what's called an under-shepherd, I, I, but we are, we, are, we are operating under the authority of Christ. He's the ultimate shepherd. He's the ultimate pastor, but yet he gives pastors. We are under-shepherds. We are junior pastors to him being the ultimate pastor. I, I thank God that I have a pastor. I thank God Pastor Jim LaFoon who comes and preaches every year here and so grateful for him. I thank God for Pastor Jacob Aranz and these men are my pastor and, and, and yet I have an ultimate pastor who, who, who is perfect. He, human pastors will let you down, right? We want to do the, our best and we want to be, but we're still human and we still, but, but, but you and I share the same pastor in the sense that Jesus is our pastor. He's our shepherd. The apostle Peter was writing to the churches that he had planted. And he was, he was instructing the young under shepherds. And here's what he said, 1 Peter 5, 2. He said, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who entrusted you. Watch this, but being examples to the what? Say it, the flock. It's one of the words. Seven metaphors in the New Testament. I've given you four that he calls his church, one of which is a flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. I, I was thinking this week, and this is really interesting, a little Bible trivia. Matter of fact, sermon trivia. Does anybody know the, the, the psalm in the Old Testament that is the most quoted psalm in sermons historically. There's people that do statistics. There's all kind of people that, you know, tabulate information. I'll tell you what it is. It's not Psalms 91. It's not Psalms 1. By the way, Psalms 91 is a good psalm to be quoting and memorizing right now. It's not Psalms 1. It's actually Psalms, Psalms 23. I want to teach you this morning something I actually don't ever remember in 20 years of being the pastor. I don't ever remember teaching verse by verse through Psalms 23. I've got about 20, 25 minutes. I'm going to take you on a journey, and it's fascinating. When we begin to understand Jesus as our shepherd, if you have your Bible, Psalms 23, those that are joining online, of course, you can. there's notes and there's scriptures right along. I want to read Psalms 23, and I want to talk to you about six attributes of Jesus, our shepherd. Six attributes of Jesus, our shepherd. Look what Psalms 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your you prepare. This is amazing. By the way, I'm going to teach you on this in just a moment. I'm going to break this down. I want you to think about this next line. He said, you prepare a table before me. 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you love that? Six attributes of a shepherd. Number one, the first thing that I see here is that Jesus, our shepherd, the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd. Number one, here's the promise of the shepherd. Our shepherd provides. Our shepherd provides. Look at Psalms 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. Watch this. I shall not want. And it was interesting this week I was studying in the Hebrew. Of course, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written primarily in Greek. And, and, and when, it, when, I, when I read this, what does it mean? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. What it actually means in the Hebrew, watch this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Wow. Now immediately, if you hear that, some people would say, wait, time out, pastor. There's been times in my life where I've lacked. I mean, there's been times, and so are you telling me if I'm a Christian that, wait, wait, time out, and I would immediately push back, and here's what I'd say. Please be careful. All of us go through hard times. All of us experience difficulty. Some of you right now, all of us right now at some level are experiencing a, a levels of concern, levels of difficulty, but I want to specifically relate to this verse where it says, I shall not lack. If somebody says, well, pastor, wait a minute. I'm a Christian. I've been walking with God. And there's times where I've lacked. I would say this, be careful. Be careful because what we often do is we often compare our lack with somebody else's lack. Be careful. Be careful. Our lack is often somebody else's abundance. Just remember that. The fact that you are here, the fact that you are alive, the fact that God, listen, the fact that you've come this far. How many of you know we've got a shepherd that's providing for us? Come on, are y'all with me? Absolutely. I'll say it again. Be careful. Your lack is somebody else's abundance if you compare the whole world. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I think of the hard times in my life, the times where, where there's been leanness in my hands, Here's one of the things I've learned. When there's leanness in my hands, there's often strength that comes to my soul because I learn to trust God more. I learn to press into Jesus more. Sometimes it's a test when there's leanness in our hands. Do we really trust God? Are we going to still worship God? Are we going to still love God? It's interesting. The fact is when we understand who the Lord is, that he's a father, that he cares for his children, I shall not lack. You know, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like I've got two families. And I've talked about this before. I, I've got my older children. And then 10 years after that, we've got our precious little Annalise, who's so precious and so cute. And, and uh, she, she came up to me uh, a couple weeks ago. She's so precious. She came up to me a couple, uh, maybe it was last week. And she goes, Dad, I want to talk to you about something. I really, I, really, I really want something. And I said, well, honey, what is it you want? And it was something in, out of the American Doll magazine. And uh, because I, I regularly read that. Do y'all read that? By the way, I'm just joking. And so, and so I said, you want it? She goes, well, I mean, I, mean, I, I, would, I, I would like it. I mean, and I said, honey, I said, Do you, you know, you, you got a birthday coming? You got a, and, and so she said, she goes, dad, you know you can get that for me. She's laughing because she remembers saying that. Are y'all with me or not? Here's the point. A 10-year-old little kid, can I tell you something? They're not wondering whether or not, listen, they just, my dad provides. Can I tell you something? I'm an imperfect father. Trust me, I am. 
But we need to have that childlike faith and that expectancy that, that, that we serve a big God and he cares about us. And guess what? Our heavenly father provides. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Number two, the second thing that I see here is not only the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but the Lord, he restores the Bible says in Psalms 23, 2, it says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Every single one of us in life, we come to moments in life where we get the wind knocked out of us. And we walk through some relational difficulty and we get some bobos, that's what I call them. We get some, we get some hits and and the reality is, is that we, 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 and some of you right now are grappling with the reality of relational things where, where there's been some brokenness and there's been some pain. And of course, dealing with, 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 the, with the culture in which we're living with right now, there's anxieties and there's fears and people are trying to push those backs. And, and the reality is there's, there's a press of the world around us and, and there's, there's often some things that we pick up along the way. There's some snags in our soul that we pick up along the way. There's little hurts, there's little, there's little things, there's, there's little pains. And, and the reality is our soul is so critical because so goes on the inside, so ultimately goes on the outside. In other words, what's happening on the inside of us determines what ultimately happens on the outside of us. As a man or a woman thinketh, that's so they are. In other words, our soul is important to God. And the Bible says, listen, Jesus, our shepherd, restores our soul. In other words, he heals us on the inside. He heals our mind. He heals our emotional level. I, I, I begin to think about this verse, and it's, isn't it interesting? It says, and he leads us beside still waters. Isn't it a beautiful sight? Those of you that have the opportunity, we all at different points have the opportunity to, whether to go to an ocean and you get to see the beautiful waves coming in. There's something about looking at water. There's something about looking at natural water, the, those of you maybe that, that live on a lake and, and the, the serene nature of that. God made us aesthetically inclined to, 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 to see waters. And there's, that, that when we see the water, it brings a soothing, a soothing component to our, to our physical body and, and even our emotional life. But, but, but can I tell you something? There are limits to what gazing upon creation can do for our soul. Uh, there, there's only so much it can do. There's only so much it can bring. But, but here's what I have found. That, that, that when we spend time with God, and we get into the presence of God. There's something about the word of God. There's something about the presence of God. There's something about worship that cleanses and heals the soul. There's something about, and I want to encourage every one of you that are joining us, wherever you are, whatever campus you're at, those of you that are online, spend time in the presence of God. The more time you spend in God's presence, the more time you spend in this word, can I tell you something? Whether or not you're able to look at the beauty of water, you can always take in the water of God's word to wash your soul. You can always take in the presence. The Holy Spirit is likened to the, the, the water of God, the presence of God. In the time of rain, ask for rain. What is the rain of God? It's the presence of God. And, and the Spirit of God, and there's no other time, listen, that is better than when there's things going around us that are a little bit crazy. We need to be in the presence of God. Why? He wants to restore your soul. He wants to heal you on the inside. He wants to give you internal confidence. Jesus said it this way. Peace, I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you. By the way, 
not as the world gives to you. You, you know, and I, I, it's, it's tragic, but how many times we're looking for internal peace outside of, outside of a relationship with God? We're looking for soul satisfaction. We're looking for soul satiating outside of God. Jesus said, you're not going to find it out there. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not, of the, not as the world gives. The, the world's peace is temporary. Listen, it's a good feeling. It's a good bump. It's a good, yeah. But boy, then it fades, doesn't it? Not the peace of Jesus. The Bible says, the peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither, neither let it be afraid. Even in the midst of a storm, we can find peace. Number three, not only does the shepherd provide, not only does the shepherd restore, but the shepherd leads us. Look at verse 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Let me say it this way. Here it is. He leads me in right paths. Every single one of us are faced with so many decisions on a daily basis. Should I go this way? Should I do that? Should I do that? And there's different options. I'm so grateful. Listen, I'm so grateful that we serve a God that is speaking to us and wants to lead us on the right path. You know, I have people that ask me this. I pastor, how do I know the will of God for my life? Because I need to know the will of God for my life. And here's what I tell them. The way to find out the will of God is, is that if you hear the voice of God, the voice of God leads to the will of God. In other words, if you want to figure out God's plan for your life, you need to understand God's voice because God's voice through his word, through his spirit, he leads you into the right path, the will of God for your life. The problem is, is that we often don't recognize the voice of God. Let me give you an example. If somebody called you on the phone right now, and um, of course today, we've got all kinds of different options with a phone, you know, you can see now they have spam risk, right? So now if somebody calls and you don't recognize it, you know, you, you have all these different ways. And so let's just say you don't recognize the number, but you thought, you know what, I'm just going to call because maybe it's a friend of mine. They don't have my number. And you know, I just met him. And so watch this. So you pick up the phone and you say, right? Cause this is a normal social courtesy. And you say, hello. And they say, hello. And then they just start talking. The problem is you don't recognize their voice. What would you say to them? Here's what you would say. You would say, excuse me, who am I speaking with? Now, some of you would just hang up, but the rest of you, here's what would happen. Come on, I do that too. Come on, I, you gotta confess. You gotta confess it in God's house. But, but here you go, watch this, watch this, watch this. Here's what we do. Um, I'm so sorry, but, but um, who is this? And the reason why you say, who is this? Is because you don't recognize, say it with me, the voice. Question, how many times has God called out to us and God is speaking to us and we go, who is this? Is this, who is, who's speaking? And God says, it's me. Wow. See, here's what I want to suggest to you. Listen, the more that you talk to God, the more that you tune your ear into God, the more you know his voice. And the more that you know his voice, listen, the more you can obey his voice. Why? Because the more you recognize the voice of God, the will of God is attached to the voice of God. And the way that God leads us in paths of righteousness is, is when we follow his voice. 
When we follow his word, and, and let me just tell you, there's no other time, let me tell you, there are no other time better than now from the church to hear God's voice. What is God saying to us? Because listen, when the world kind of starts freaking out, how many know the church should rise up with confidence? With confidence in who God is. Yes, listen to me. And I want to go on around. Yes, we take precautions. Yes, we do whatever the government, CDC, uh, absolutely. But we are, let me tell you something, we are bold in faith that God is with us and for us. We don't live in fear. We live in wisdom and we live in confidence. God is, why? Because we can hear the voice of God. Something about hearing the voice of God. When you hear God's voice, those that know God shall be bold, the Bible says. Bold, strong in God. We hear the voice of God. We know the voice of God. And when we know the voice of God, it produces in us a strength. Yes. I'm just starting to preach and make myself happen. Let me just keep going here. (laughs) Listen, I'm getting, I mean, hold on. Amen, preacher. That was good preaching. I just thought I i got to help myself out every now and then. All right, here we go. Number, number, number one, the shepherd, listen, the shepherd provides. Number two, the shepherd restores. Number three, the shepherd leads. Number four, the shepherd strengthens. Look at verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. You are with me. God is with me. Paul said to Timothy, I love this verse in 2 Timothy 4, 16, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me. Listen, I want God standing with me. Listen, I, I want God, and he strengthened me, Paul said. Listen, I want God standing with me. You can go through hell. You can go through high waters. You can go through the fire. Listen, and not be burned if God is with you and God is strengthening you. God, I thank you that you are with me. You are strengthening me. You're strengthening my home. You're strengthening my family. You're strengthening me, oh God, on the inside. God, you are my strength. You are my fortress. You are my stronghold. David, who was often running from Saul, the crazy king that would try to, that would try to kill him. And he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I want everybody to say, the Lord strengthens me. Oh, to know that God is the one that strengthens. Oh, pastor, that's just all in heaven. Don't you dare tell me that. That's not about heaven. That's about the here and now. And I want everybody to hear me. If a, if a demonic spirit in Mark chapter four can come on a human being uh, or in Mark chapter eight and cause a human being to break handcuffs, don't tell me that God's spirit can't come on you and help you get out of bed. God will strengthen you spiritually, physically, and emotionally for the assignment that he's called you to accomplish. The Lord strengthened me. Number five, the Bible says the shepherd defends. Psalms 23, 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What I learned this last couple of weeks as I was studying this, and it's really interesting. I, I, um, matter of fact, I've been to Israel three times. Some of you have had the opportunity to go to Israel. It's really amazing when you go to Israel. And I'm going to tell you why it's so interesting. They actually have in Israel shepherds that are really there tending to sheep. It's really cool. I mean, you just like, you're, you're, you're driving. And, and by the way, they're not props like, it, like, it, like Gatlinburg. 
This is not Dolly World. Are y'all with me? This, this is not, the, I mean, this, there's like real shepherds and they're not like driving ATVs across the, uh, the, the wilderness. They're real shepherds tending sheep. Now, what's interesting, if you study, if you study what a shepherd has, the Bible says thy rod, everyone say rod and staff. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm gonna say a couple things to you guys. I want everybody to hear this. I apologize if you grew up in a home and you thought that God was mad at you, that God was trying to get you. He was always trying to knock you out. That's not what the Bible says. God's not after you to hurt you. God's after you to help you. God's not trying to harm you. He's trying to bless you. He wants to take care of you. God's not mad, kind of ticked off, woke up on a Sunday afternoon nap, and he's like, Wah! no. Actually, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, the parakletos, the one that's called alongside, translated in English, the helper. He's trying to help you, trying to encourage you, trying to love you, trying to care for you. Well, how does that practically work with Psalms chapter 23? or Psalms 23, verse five, thy rod. What does a rod do? In, in biblical times, the, the shepherd's rod was used, watch this, to hit off wolves, to hit off, to hit the enemy. They would have lions, they would have wolves. You get hit in the mouth of one of these things. I'm not saying they could kill a wolf like that, but they will knock a wolf like that. I'm gonna tell you, that, that, that wolf's gonna think twice. And the Bible says that thy rod and thy, thy rod, boom, where, where Jesus is our shepherd. Listen to me closely. You don't fight the devil. You love Jesus. You trust in faith. And he's the one that's fighting the battle for you. you stay, your job is to stand in faith. His job is to defeat the devil. And he is fighting on your behalf. Matter of fact, I'm reading in Deuteronomy right now. I'm reading in the book of Deuteronomy in my life journal. And how many times the Lord will fight for you. The Lord, well, what is, I need to stand in faith and trust in faith and declare who God is over my life, over my family, over my home, over your business, over this church. The Lord is for us. Who can be against us? Boom, the Lord is hitting the enemy. And let me tell you something, when that accuser comes, that lion, wicked, false shepherd comes, that tries to lull you back into guilt from your past, let me tell you something, the Bible says God is the one fighting for you. God is the one who's got to stick out after the enemy. But he not only has a rod, he also has a staff. Now this is not, I was thinking about flying to Israel to get it last night. Just joking. I could have got a cheap ticket. Anyway, so <laughs> watch this, watch this, watch this. In Bible times, this is the staff that's actually attached, but this is called a crook or a nook. It's, it's, it's actually, watch this, watch this. And it's a little bit bigger than this. It's a little bit bigger than this. I'm gonna tell you why. It would fit the circumference or the body of a sheep. You wanna know why? Because when the enemy would come, when a wolf would come, those sheep would begin to wander. Those sheep would begin to run off. And so the shepherd would hit the enemy, but then he would reach out and grab the sheep and pull them back into the fold. Can I tell you what the Lord wants to do in our lives? The Lord, our shepherd, watch this. He wants to knock the enemy off your life, but he also, watch this, those that are straying. How many are grateful that when we stray in fear, he pulls us back into faith? He pulls us back into confidence. Listen, he pulls us back into a close relationship. 
bam, he's hitting the enemy. You stand in faith. You, try, you declare who God is. You declare what God is in your life. And I'm telling you, it's slight. And I'm telling you, the enemy, boom, resists the devil and he will flee. How are you resisting? You stand in faith and, tr- in faith and you trust Jesus fighting your battles. Bam, he's pulling you back in. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. I've got one more and I'll close. So excited about this. John chapter 10, verse 11, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say this before I go into my last point. I want to just mention this and this, I don't have time to teach this. Isn't that interesting in verse five? Did you guys see verse five? It says, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now I want you to think about this. He's preparing a table for, before you. In other words, here comes all of your adversaries and God says, time out, pause. I've got some napkins, some plastic plates. I want you to sit down. What are you doing? Well, pull out the picnic table. I want to prepare a picnic for you right in the presence of your enemies. Why is that? Why would God do that? Two reasons. Number one, he wants to show you that he's in control of your life. And number two, he wants to show the devil that you belong to God. Take your hands off of God's property. Listen to me. Jesus, when you're a Christian, I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses. When you're a Christian, you are purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to God. You don't belong to yourself anymore. And let me tell you what God says. Take your hands, devil, off of my property. That's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. And I'm making, listen, a banquet table right in your face. Why? Because I'm going to declare to you that those kids belong to me. We belong to God. We belong to God. We need to say that every day. We need to, devil, take your hands off of my mind. My mind belongs to God. Take your hands off. Fear, you have no part in my life. Listen, fear, you have no anxiety. You will not rule my life. I'm ruled by God. Ruled by God. Owned by God. Ruled by God. Loved by God. All right, let me give you this final thing and then we'll close. Are y'all learning anything today? All right, here we go. Verse six, surely. Here it is, surely. Goodness and mercy, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy. Pastor Doug, would you come on up here just for a moment? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come here, Russell. Come here, Russell. I'm changing your name. Your name's not Russell anymore. Your name's Mercy. Wait a minute. Your name, what, what is your name? It's not Doug anymore. Your name is Goodness. Everybody say, hi, Goodness. That really is Pastor Doug's nickname. He's the holiest person in this church, by the way. Pa- Pastor, he doesn't even sin. Y'all sin. He doesn't sin. I just want to let you know that. He's holy. So what does your name say it? Goodness. And what is your name? Mercy. Mercy. Oh, I like that voice. Goodness and mercy. So here's what he says. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall what? Say it shall follow me. Devil starts lying to you, trying to beat you down, trying to get you in a place of fear. And where's God? And God doesn't love me. And God says, step up, turn around. And right when you turn around, and who's, who's, who's right behind? What is your name? Goodness. goodness what, what is your name? Mercy. 
Oh man, right. Well, you know what? You know, people told me that I really can't trust the Lord totally. I mean, I mean, I got to help myself. I mean, I can't really trust God. I mean, but, but, and after all, is God really up there? I'm going to go over here and, 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 and I, I, I don't, you know, church and my mom used to preach to me and all that stuff. And I'm going to get over here and I'm going to turn around and, and God says, look behind you. And who's behind who, who, ah! <laughs> Quit following me. What's your name? Goodness. What's your name? Mercy. Why do y'all follow me? I'm getting away from y'all. I'm going over here. And you know, I, I'm finally, I'm finally away. And I turned around and I'm free. And ah, what is your name? Goodness. What is your name? Mercy. Man, I can't get away from it. How many of you know a Christian, you can't get away from goodness and mercy? Let me tell you something. They're following you. Let me tell you something. They're try- Let me, God wants to overtake you with his goodness. God's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to bless you. He wants to take care of your life. He wants, his goodness and mercy are following you all the days. The very fact that you are here declares God's goodness and mercy has brought you. The goodness and mercy of God. Come on, let's give it up for goodness and mercy. All right, I'll close with this. How many are grateful that Jesus is our shepherd? Hey man, we're in the right boat. I'm not getting out of this boat. <laughs> And I'm not getting in the car with a stranger. I'm going to listen to his voice. We're going to listen to his direction. We're going to stay in this word. We're going to stay in the presence of God. We're going to stay in faith. He's going to pull us out of fear. Yep, yep. back into faith. The posture of expectancy. All things are possible. God is with us. God is with us. And I want to just speak to you as a pastor these last few moments. Listen to me. We as a church are going to do everything we can. We are going to follow every mandate that the government has for us. Listen to me closely. All right? So if next weekend, if they tell us to meet in our homes, we're going to meet in the homes. But we don't cancel church. You're just at church in your home listening to your pastor. Are you all with me? Because I'm going to tell you something. There's never a time when you need more. I don't even know that's proper English. How many of you know we need the word of God? Come on. We need God's word in our heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've got one more, listen, I've got one more thing to say to you as your pastor. This week I was just praying. And I I know, listen, I've gotten more calls and texts and pastor and concerns. And that's why I went on to social media where I can just communicate to a a broader audience, all the people that, that I'm their pastor. I know people are freaked out economically. There, there's two things that are going on, right? One is the, the, the one threat, but there's another looming threat as well. And I want to encourage you with something. I believe this word from the bottom of my heart. I've lived as a Christian for 31 years, 32 years. I'm 51. I became a Christian when I was 19 years old in college, my freshman year. Listen to me. This is important. Six weeks ago, I preached. I'm giving you a promise from God's word. You need to write this down. I need everybody to hear me. All those of you that are online at every one of our other campuses, Facebook Live, this is important. I'm giving you a promise to stand. Write this down. Go old school. Get a three by five index card. How many of y'all remember about five, six, seven weeks ago, I taught that message on the Skittles? How many of y'all remember that? Did did anybody remember that in the church? I think there was a a rush on Skittles in our region. I talked about the promise of God's word, that we have a covenant with God as a tither, that we come into relationship and covenant with God, that God promises. Remember this, there's always conditions and there's promises in God's word, and there's a promise in God's word. 
In Malachi chapter 3, it says this. When we bring the tithe, let me tell you, as we honor God, there's something that we do that, 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 that triggers our faith and it, it positions us before God. And as we honor God, if we're a tither, I'm going to tell you there is a promise. I'm going to read it in just a moment. You need to write this down. Put it on your bathroom a mirror. When you wake up in the morning, these next two, three, four, five weeks, two, three, four months, two, three, four, five years, you have a covenant promise from God. I'm going to read this to you. Here it is. This is just to encourage you guys. Here's what the Lord says. As a, let me tell you, you're in covenant with God as a tither. Let me tell you something. This is powerful. Here's what the Lord promises. He says, because of that, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. In the Old Testament, Oftentimes, the devourer, which was likened to the enemy, was evidenced by swarms of, of, of um, uh, insects that would come in and devour, that would devour the land and the, uh, the agricultural fields that would devour people economically. And God said a promise to his people. If you'll walk with me, if you'll honor me with the tithe, here's what he says. He says, I will rebuke. How many of y'all want God rebuking the devourer off of your life? I want God rebuking the devourer off of my life. In every area of my life, by the way, not just resources. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand, all of our campuses. I'm gonna encourage you as your pastor to write this promise down. Over these next few weeks, few months, you need to declare, I'm in covenant with God. I want you to say, I'm in covenant with God. I'm a tither. God said he will rebuke the devourer off my life, off my home, off my family, off my business. In Jesus' name. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you are a good God. You're blessing us as a people. Lord, whether we gather in this church or whether we go, gather online, Lord God, we are a church, the body of Christ. And Lord God, we're gonna stay close to one another. We're gonna stay close to you. We're gonna stay in your word. We're gonna stay in faith. We're gonna stay in prayer and worship. We trust the God who's in control of our lives. And Lord, we're gonna trust you with our resources. So bless your people, Lord God. Those that are giving on the way out today, I bless you. May God's favor be upon your life. Lord, I pray the favor of God in Psalms 512. May it surround every man, woman, boy, and girl in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said...